Once consciousness has fallen at any given locus into identification with the motion complex or body in that locus, it has fallen under the law governing such a motion complex. It is now conditioned by the motion characteristic of that complex and reacts to other motions which now act as stimuli, in a manner determined by its characteristic form. It can now assimilate other motions only insofar as that motion complex can do so. Consciousness is then bound to that motion complex and is affected as we see it in the things around us. In the mineral world, it evidences itself only in offering resistance to imposed forces. In the vegetable world, it expresses itself in growth processes. In the animal world, it expresses itself in instinct and desire-impelled action. In man, it expresses itself in rational thought. In the fully developed human being, it expresses itself in resec. From the moment of its first fall into object identification, consciousness experiences, because the object is finited or limited, a sense of loss of power. This sense of power loss is the negative aspect of the awareness of the original level from which consciousness fell, presented together with its actual level. In its positive aspect, it is the seed of dissatisfaction, called divine dissatisfaction, because it impels beings to strive to transcend their actual finite being level and return to their own proper level in the absolute. The divine dissatisfaction is that which drives us from the lower levels of being, abstracts our consciousness from object identification, conducts the evolutionary process of our consciousness and leads us to resec. The completion of the involution-evolution cycle of our being. Consciousness, which is sentient power of itself free, binds itself in the involutionary process to forms of motion within and of itself. The sense of loss of power, the frustration of the will which arises in the finite objectified state, generates in its negative phase depression and melancholy. In its positive phase, it generates the urge to escape the limitations of the body with which identification has taken place. This urge to escape expresses itself in the evolutionary process by the acquisition of ever more complex action capacities by means of which consciousness seeks to control its content. From the absolute through the relative back to the absolute. From the subject through the object back to the subject. From consciousness to its content and back again. This is the involutionary evolutionary cycle of the self of the absolute 
and of man. The supreme self, the original sentient power of the absolute, consciousness itself, is freed from its objects in the moment it reflexes on itself. Being free from its object, it is free from the law governing those objects. Being free from the law, all things are possible to it. Here one says, I can do all things through Christ, through the Logos God who has completed the cycle of involution-evolution, who was crucified in matter by identification, who rose from the dead state of the object identified, who ascended again in the reflexive act of his own consciousness to his source in the Father of all beings, where he sits at the right hand of power. When the self reflects on itself only and identifies with nothing else, it is free from everything but itself. No laws of finite things bind it or constrain it to respond to their being. It is itself only self-determined free. To gain the capacity to reflect on oneself at will is to release oneself from bondage to the laws which govern the things of this world. All real freedom stands in this capacity. Without resec, freedom is an illusion and action is merely reaction to stimuli from the world of things, the world of partials, the unwhole world of separativity and illusory processes. Either one is a slave or not. Either one is able to give orders to oneself or not. Not to be able to give orders to oneself and to be able to obey them is to be at the mercy of others. Happy and fortunate is he who, being unable to give himself orders and to obey them, is given the orders of truth and shown how to obey them by one who is merciful. As was Jesus and Buddha, and Mahavira, and the Jina and Lao Tse, and Zarathustra, and Socrates, and others who have shown the way back to the origin of all beings. In his relation with other beings in the time process, either a man will rule himself or be ruled by others, self-rule or other rule. There is no alternative, no escape in this matter from the necessity of choice. Is it better to rule oneself or to be ruled by others? To be ruled by others may be good if those who rule know how to and have the true welfare of the ruled at heart. Jesus talked of good shepherds and bad shepherds. How many sheep have the discrimination to know which shepherds are keeping sheep for the sake of sheep, which for the sake of their wool and which for the sake of their flesh. 
There are shepherds who keep sheep for their wool. And the wool is money to buy more sheep for more wool, for more money, for more sheep, for more wool to infinity. Unless we can guarantee the good faith and true intent and capability of the shepherds, we had better learn to shepherd ourselves. Self-government is the only really safe government, and self-government is to be secured only by RESEC. RESEC and RESEC only can save us from the intents and purposes of other beings. Every man who in history has been truly called great has had reflexive self-consciousness. Resec alone has conferred or ever will confer true greatness on the great. The truly great man is he who can break through the walls of mass inertia which bind the world into ever identical recurring patterns of action. The time play of finite things which binds the identified man and blinds him to the true light of his own ultimate self must be seen for what it is. Then man may break its tyranny and return to his free self. Samson, when he saw this truth with the eye of his soul, which the enemy had not put out at Gaza, Pull down the temple, the temple which symbolises the time play which identification has built and thus returned at last to himself and to his God, the self of selves, from which he will not again go forth to lose himself and find himself bound at the mill with slaves. Mythos tells in parables to the heart what Logos presents in logic to the intellect and senses give partially and serially to the lower mind. The Resec man sees Mythos, Logos and sense data as the three corners of a triangle having its being in the ultimate reality of the infinite, eternal, sentient motion of the Absolute. To gain Resec is to gain the mastery of this triangle and establish one's being in eternity from which one will go no more out. The object-identified man is subject to the law of serial presentation in the time process. His action is reaction to a stimulus, and always he is in danger of reacting inadequately from lack of sufficient data, or too late from lack of readiness, or too grossly from the mass inertia of the body with which he is identified. The Resec man sees simultaneously the events which the object-identified man sees serially. The Resec man stands at the causal level of being. Because he sees wholly and not partially, his response is adequate. Because he sees simultaneously 
whatever is applicable to a given situation, his response is immediate. Solomon might have said, with all you're getting, get reflexive self-consciousness. The ultimate reality of the Absolute is infinite, eternal, sentient motion. This motion, although itself pure, infinite translation, produces by the mode of its self-relation the rotatory circumscribing motions which constitute the finite things of the world, the objects of perception, the ideas of the mind, the flux of the emotions. Because sentience is infinite, it is extended throughout all space. Whatever motions occur in space are experienced by sentience as the content of its consciousness. Wherever a given motion complex of a rotatory nature is sufficiently integrated and intense to serve as a relatively permanent reference point, sentience interprets this motion complex as a body or substantial thing. Wherever the motion constituents of a given body are such as to give rise to the experience of some degree of pleasure, there is a tendency for sentience to identify itself with that body and strive to keep it in being. Wherever the motion complexes of a given body are such as to give rise to pain or unpleasant emotions, sentience at that point strives to inhibit those motions. But in the place of such inhibited motions, fear is experienced, lest they should break free from the inhibiting forces imposed upon them. Fear is the trembling arising from the conflict of the inhibiting forces and the inhibited motion complexes causing pain and unpleasant emotions. The unpleasantness of this fear leads sentience to try to break identification with the zones in which it is experienced. Such zones are walled in, or encapsulated and constitute the contents of the so-called subconscious. The totality of such zones of painful and unpleasant motion complexes constitute for the sentience trapped in it hell. The totality of the motion complexes which give rise to the experiences of pleasure is interpreted by the sentience identified with it as heaven. The heaven of the absolute, however, is the equilibration of all the motions of infinity. The hermetic doctrine says, As above, so below. As within, so without. With the difference that infinity has infinite assimilation capacity and response ability and the finite has only finite capacity and ability. Hence, the necessity of gaining release from identification with the finite and returning to the self in the infinite. 
at the level of the sentience in object-identified man, the motion complex serving as his body or center of reference has certain reaction and assimilation capacities of a finite order. If the motion complex constituting his reference center or body receives stimuli resulting in pleasure, the sentience identified with that motion complex and which he refers to as his own consciousness tends to identify with such pleasure and the stimuli producing it. If the motion complex receives stimuli resulting in pain or unpleasant emotion, his consciousness tends to try to reject or inhibit such stimuli and resultants. Thus, the sentience identified with any given motion complex as a centre of reference, whether in man or in any other being, from the particular to the universal, tends to act in similar ways, in similar situations, and thus to involve itself in recurrent behaviour patterns. The law of the persistence of error. The body-identified sentience in a man, therefore, as a being of finite reaction and assimilation, tends to try to reject or inhibit stimuli productive of pain or unpleasant emotion, and to identify with and preserve in being those stimuli resulting in pleasure. So a man has his individual hell and heaven within himself. Hell is constituted by motions of inhibited stimuli and their pain and unpleasant emotion resultants. Heaven, by the motions of stimuli and their resultants, which are experienced as pleasure. As long as the hell motions in a man are inhibited and vibrate within him, he lives with a background of fear that they might break out and invade consciousness. In fear of this possibility, he strives to keep his consciousness away from them and place it in those motion complexes which give rise to pleasure. But man, as a finite system, has only finite energies and capacities. He tends, like all finite systems, to lose energy to his surroundings. When his energies drop below a certain level, he is not sufficient to continue the inhibiting process which has kept his hell motions in subjection. At such times, they tend to break out of bondage and invade his consciousness. Here is the point of his greatest need for the power to break association with the content of consciousness. But it is also the time when he is least able to do it. It is not a good thing to allow oneself to fall into bondage, it is a worse thing if, having fallen into it, no attempt is made in the days of one's strength to get out of it. It is the worst thing if, having fallen into bondage and having made no attempt 
in the days of one's strength to get out, one finds oneself grown old and too weak to try. Then one stands in danger of taking one's private hell with one into the next world. Reflexive self-consciousness confers freedom from object identification, both with the pains of private hells and with the illusory pleasures of temporary heavens. The real heaven, the real heaven of the absolute and the resec man, consists in the equilibration of all powers and all motions. In this heaven, there is no fear that an inhibited hell will break forth again, for all things have been assimilated, and man has returned to the true self in freedom and power. To become reflexively self-conscious is to become freed from the tyranny of material reactivity. It is to rise above the level of conditioned reflexes, above the level of emotional blockages in repressed complexes. It is to become liberated from the mechanics of serial ideation processes. It is to become truly oneself and at one in intent and essence with the self of all selves. And in becoming oneself, and one in intent and essence with the self of all selves, one does not pass into a characterless, misunderstood nirvana of non-individuated bliss. One becomes what one eternally is, a unique centre in and of the absolute sentient power. In the words of Jesus, Every man goes into his own place and his works follow him. His cycle of experience completed, the prodigal son who drove forth from his father's house has returned and sits with his father at the right hand of power. End